Thanks so much for listening. Before I get into the episode, I wanted to thank today's podcast sponsor, which is Coda Luna and their baby keepsake castle. I personally just put all of my baby's memorabilia into these little keepsake castle boxes and they are so adorable functional. And if you really love organization, then you're really going to love this keepsake box. So not only is it a keepsake box, but it also includes a baby book and it has space for capturing all of the milestones of your baby's early years. And then the keepsake box itself stores all of the memorabilia that you want to keep. So baby's first socks and pacifier and the little hat that they wore when they came home from the hospital. So this keepsake castle with the baby memory book is more than just an organizational product. It's a gateway to preserving the remarkable journey of new parenthood. So take a moment to visit keepsakecastle.com today and embark on creating a lasting legacy of love and nostalgia. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. I am really excited to interview our guest, Marin Lauka, who is a decision coach and speaker with a master's degree in positive developmental psychology and certifications in budget coaching, life coaching, and yoga. As the business owner of Yes And, Marin passionately supports women with one-to-one and group coaching programs to overcome exhausting patterns of perfectionism and self-doubt so they can make confident decisions that lead to authentic meaning and freedom in their life. Over 267 clients and audiences around the United States have applied Marin's coaching to end procrastination, overthinking, indecision, and regret so they can clarify what they want strengthen self-trust, and experience true happiness. Marin is also the number one new release author of Ready Enough, your seven-step guide for life's hardest decisions. For an introduction to her work, you can preview the first chapter of her book at her website, which is linked in the show notes of this episode. So in today's episode, we are going to be talking about decision-making and all that that can encompass with the transition into parenting. So thank you so much, Marin, for taking the time to talk to me today. And um, before we get into the topic, will you give just a little bit more background about you, where you are in the world, and your family, and how you got into this? Yes. Uh, Thank you so much for such a great introduction. I'm excited to be here today. Um, Yes, a little bit more about me. I'm in right now in St. Paul, Minnesota. I've been back and forth here and Montana and California and Colorado and Wisconsin, (laughs) but this is kind of my home base. Um, Midwest, I would say, is is my home here. And um, I'm not currently a mom to any human babies, though I'm a very proud bonus aunt to all my friends at the moment. Um, I do have a, a puppy baby in that. Uh, definitely I experienced the change in the whiplash from that nowhere near what um, a kiddo would be but definitely I mean that's one representation of what happens when life and circumstance changes and as a result we change as individuals and that's a continuous process for sure Um, but one that I feel at least in my experience with clients and personally, sometimes we forget or don't give ourselves permission to change as life changes and think we have to find even that buzzword of authentic self. We have to find this one entity of who we are and then stay there <laughs> forever. And that's just not how life goes. Um, and so even and as you read my bio, it's always 
so interesting to hear that reflected back and to have a little blip of my uh, kind of recording replay for me of thinking where I started and where my company started years ago and how that has evolved throughout time to really land in this niche of decision making and specifically supporting women um, and some of the unique challenges and also exciting experiences that women get to have either entering motherhood like we'll talk about today and that's a lot of my clients um, or changes in relationship dynamics family dynamics um, and then again coming back to my expertise of how does that impact you as an individual your identity and your decisions therefore aligned with hopefully who you really are wonderful thank you so much and as you just said a lot of your clients have been moms particularly new parents, what have you seen in your experience, your work, and your background um, be one of the top difficulties as people transform into parenthood and how that impacts their daily life, particularly decision-making? Yes. Yeah. So again, this uh, this kind of buzzword of authenticity, and, and I think a lot of the individuals who come to my door really strive to be their best self or whatever, you know, insert whatever word you want to put there. Um, and when new moms, specifically those clients who come to my door, I think it's a little bit of this whiplash of this is, I, I'm taking on a new role. Am I a new person? But how am I also the same person? Um, a lot of women also who I'm thinking of right now are also business owners or relating to their careers in new ways and trying to figure out, especially um, I work with a lot of women who are so ambitious and, and really love their work and want that to be a core part of their identity. And then with when something else comes in, a kid and obviously takes up a huge you know percentage of their identity too and what they love and cherish and are passionate about, it becomes, I think, one of the to come back to your core question, one of one of the biggest challenges that comes is how do I keep the parts of me that I really don't want to lose while inviting compassionate space to be in the in-between space? I think that's um, one of the harder things is just to know and to trust the season of the in-between rather than going from, okay, this is who I was, this is who I now am. It's that recalibration stage of how do I figure out who I am and give myself the grace and the time to figure out who I am now rather than feeling like we have to figure out for sure who we will be. And, and again, back to that notion of like forever will be now that now that I have a new role that I can take on and be passionate about. Um, so the, that greatest challenge of staying in the messy middle <laughs> and allowing there to be more questions than answers potentially there. And when it comes to decision making, sometimes that feels unsettling or like there's not as solid of a foundation to stand on because there isn't that as much known. There's just more uncertainty in in that time and therefore not as much of that, I think, assurance. And there's still ways to find self-trust and to foster that confident decision-making, even when there is more uncertainty, but it, it can feel like that's not the case for sure. Thank you for that. And I'm also curious in your work, what does the challenge of decision-making look like in like a day-to-day -day type of a basis? Because decision-making can just sound like a really big term that, term that means nothing um, and also everything at the same time. So like, what does this practically look like every day in terms of challenges and overcoming those challenges? Yeah, 
that's like you said, it's a double edge. It's like the, everything and also nothing all at once. Um, but that's actually what I love about this is that, and and with my client sessions, when when they enter these calls, we can literally talk about anything and it, it applies to what needs to be talked about or what's really helpful to work through that day. So um, decision-making, I mean, thinking of one of the things, and this goes to when you were reading my bio, that perfectionism and people pleasing is something that often comes through also challenges um, in, in tandem with that middle space that we just talked about. And with decision making, how that looks on a day to day basis can be as small as what you choose to eat for breakfast. <laughs> if if you have all the thoughts running through your mind of like, well, this is you know what my parents told me was the correct thing, or this is what I should be doing for myself, especially when I have a newborn in the house, or this is, and all of those, and it gets so muddy and complex when it's really a simple decision. And can you trust yourself to make that decision? Um, as in addition to bigger decisions, like when do I want to go back to work? Do I want to extend my maternity leave? And, and what does that look like? And then sometimes the spiral that can come of that of, well, what does that mean if I take more time off? Am I worthy to do that? Am I supposed to be doing something else? So like you said, it really can be um, on the spectrum, but those spirals can happen at any point and at any any part of that spectrum but the core things that are happening that's why I say we can talk about really anything in my client sessions tend to be very similar so again the perfectionism the self-doubt um the leaning on others for for guidance and thinking someone else always has the answer and that's not to shame any of us because that I very much think that's been a part of our culture and a part of our education system is really <laughs> ingraining within us that we don't have the answers when actually, especially when it comes to something like decision making, especially for something like when you want to go back to work or if you want to work or what you're eating for breakfast, that's like totally your life um, to trust yourself and to let your voice be heard within that. Thank you for that. Um, I'm also curious when I read the title of your book, Seven Step Guide for Life's Hardest Decisions, um, what are the seven steps and what are some of the hardest decisions that we make in our lives? Yeah, so um, seven steps is, there are quite a few steps there and and very much, although it helps when writing a book to have this written in a linear fashion, and that's how I can touch on it today, it's very much a cyclical, ever-evolving, back-and-forth kind of process, much like many, many things in life. Um, and and so I'll go through that in a second, but to touch on the second part of your question of what what is the hardest decision, I've actually, since publishing the book, <laughs> questioned that subtitle um, because who's to say what the hardest decisions in life are and everyone has their own experiences. But when I was writing this and speaking with individuals who um, their stories are in this book as well and talking about you know my, my client sessions and my own journey through this process, what I'm talking about are the decisions that are very much your decisions, something that you feel very confident and grounded in. It's your authentic value-based truth, what you care about. And sometimes those decisions can feel incredibly hard because if it's really based on you, it might disagree with those you care about, your family, your friends, even your partner, um, your kids, your colleagues, your advisors, all of these different individuals that even for someone who doesn't have a huge people pleaser tendency, we still care about and look to those individuals for guidance and for their opinion. And so the decisions that really are based in what you genuinely want 
making those, you have to work through the self-worth stuff. You have to work through the self-trust. You have to work through uh, the doubt sometimes that can come up, especially if someone else and especially if someone else who you've really put on a pedestal or you really, you really look up to, if they're advising something contradictory, <laughs> um, to still stand tall and stand firm in your your decision and intuition comes into that and especially for individuals who are so steadfast and I I land here sometimes too in like the data and the numbers and give me you know the quote-unquote right decision to make sometimes those authentic intuitive decisions don't have as much of that and that's that can make it hard too um yeah so those the seven steps the first is to create create space for this type of decision so create space for your voice to be heard um i give throughout the book a metaphor of starting floating down the river and the first thing create space is just to find a riverbank just to find something where you can take a breath and you can stop the float you can stop the status quo to then go on to that second step which is to clarify your truth to i think of again with that metaphor wiping the sand or the water from your eyes um to start looking around at what is going on of, of what your life is in in motherhood and new moms that's like t- taking a breath and coming you know creating space for you to even have a thought for a moment and then just looking around and saying what is what is my life now what's you know how am I feeling what's what's the context that I'm in in this season at this moment rather than you know anything else that's come before or that is to come in the future from that space now that you have some space now that you have looked around and you have some context for for your surroundings um, and your inner world as well it's to admit your desire so essentially choosing a direction of of where you want to go and this I also um, named the oh shit moment swearing okay I didn't ask about that before it's totally fine um the oh shit moment of like oh man like this is the direction I really want to go again back to that like it's in your core and maybe it's not in someone else's and and that can be a startling experience to say this is what I really want again whether it's breakfast or whether it's a career change or whether it's a move across the country um all of those I've talked about with my clients of, yeah, this is what I really want. And admitting that is a whole separate step in and of itself. Then it's taking action toward that. And I call it taking aligned action as that fourth step. So you've, you know, you've created the space, you have the clarity, you have the direction, and now it's taking one step at a time. And that can be preparation. That can be actually working toward that change. Um, and once you do that, the next step of this process is to trust. <laughs> so there's a whole separate step to trusting the journey, trusting the flow, of life um the flow of your decision unraveling sometimes that looks like again having some of that doubt come up or having some experiences where um it's not as you thought it would be it's not as it as you planned it to be and knowing that there's a whole stage in this journey that is all about trust has been helpful for my clients has been helpful for me to navigate these uh, decisions because it's built in it's expected that there's going to be (laughs) a a challenge much like the hero's journey like okay this is part of it this doesn't mean that anything is wrong I'm just going to stay in this moment in this season um, and continue on the sixth step is to celebrate celebrate that you have made a decision that you have gotten clarity on a direction you've taken some action toward it and trusted that journey and really really it's so important to celebrate whether you've reached a milestone or not it's just to celebrate that a decision has been made and you've you've moved toward it and then the seventh and final step is to begin again so to start that whole process again to know that with every decision no matter how big or small there's going to be another decision after that and that can really 
really help alleviate some of that perfectionism, some of that pressure to get it right, um, to figure it out, to feel like we have to be in this next season or to, you know, know what's coming to know, Hey, this is my, my decision in this moment. I can do all of these steps, go through it, trust it, and then know that I can take a breath and do it again. Um, and I can always choose differently if, if that journey led to somewhere that I didn't want to be and that's okay too. Yeah. I like that a lot. Um, especially the, um, I really like all of it, honestly, but the things that really stuck out to me were just, um, pausing to take the space, uh, I think that's um, something that's not talked about enough um, in our society. And that's something that has helped me a ton as a mom and in like mental health and everything, just to pause. Um, and then at the very end, the last step of celebrating. Um, that's something that I think, again, is undervalued in our society because we just move on to the next, but taking time to like recognize, yay, I made a decision. I I did, you know, like I went through all of this. So um, I just really appreciate that. Thank you for that overview. And thank you just, you know, for the work that you did in putting this out in the world. Um, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. You're welcome. <laughs> well, I was just going to say what you highlighted, those two steps that you highlighted. Um, and really when I speak about it, I, I like to emphasize those steps are even like the oh shit moment of, of choosing yeah. a direction as different than the action step. And I feel like that's what gets, like you were saying, what gets the emphasis oftentimes and therefore leads to some shame or um, guilt if if we're only emphasizing action and we're only emphasizing big milestones instead of saying, wow, I took space today. Like I heard, even if we didn't act in alignment with it, like if I heard my truth today, how powerful is that? And to celebrate that, that you were able to do that. And that is absolutely worthy of celebration and absolutely helps in the big picture too. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, is there anything else, um, on this topic that we haven't touched on that you think is really important, especially for new parents to hear? We've really kind of touched on this already, but just to emphasize how important the space component is and the self-compassion component is, um, in my master's studies, I did a lot of, uh, research on self-compassion and there's, I, I just love the topic and continue to love the topic so many years later because it feels contradictory of what we're taught of that self-critical, be hard on ourselves, be rigid approach. And actually there's so much research, not only that it feels better to be self-compassionate, but that it helps us achieve our goals and it, it helps us to live more fulfilling and meaningful lives and to make decisions with greater clarity, to have more of that self-compassion. And for new moms um, that I've worked with, and I'm also thinking of, this is later probably for many of much of your audience, but for moms who kids are leaving the house and that transition of parenthood, they're there needs to be space to have that self-compassion for what you are going through. And I think with kids, in my experience, again, I have I will have a whole different take on this when I have kids of my own. Um, but for the for the individuals that I've worked with who have navigated this, there's so much emphasis on the kids' experience. And to allow yourself and write yourself that permission slip to give yourself that space and yourself that compassion. Again, not only is it great for you, but it's also great too for the relationship between you and your kids and the family dynamics and, and the relationship health there as well. And sometimes that is the motivation that my clients need to remember that it's also benefiting others because there is so much of that focus there, um, but also eventually inching toward allowing it to just be beneficial for you and that that alone is plenty to uh, make a decision and emphasize yourself um as a whole piece of the puzzle rather than an afterthought yeah i really love that i'm glad that you said that um i personally 
had a really big light bulb moment when I read Brene Brown's The Gifts of Imperfection. And I took like her rubric afterwards to see where I landed on all of the areas she talked about. And I was shocked and just had this light bulb moment when I realized that A, perfectionism is a bad thing. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> That's the goal. <laughs> yeah, I when I read that and realized like, oh crap, like perfectionism is actually not a good thing. Um, that was just in and of itself. That was a light bulb moment. But then it took it a step further when I read that the antidote, like the other side of perfectionism is self-compassion. Then it was like a double light bulb moment. I was like, like you said, that that is like directly flies in the face of what I had been conditioned to believe of like productivity, worth value, what I bring to this world, like all of that stuff. Um, I was like, if I am self-compassionate and I let up on myself and I'm like kind and nice to myself, I think that I'll like go in the opposite direction that I want to go. And I really believe that. And it took a really long time for me to, to undo, unlearn that. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, but what you said, I, just from a personal anecdote perspective, um, it's true. Like I was, I'm still surprised. I'm like, oh my gosh, actually having the self-compassion and all that stuff that I used to think was really cringeworthy, honestly, um, it's, it's very helpful. And I get more done and more productive. I am a better everything, wife, mom, person, uh, worker, coworker, peer, like friend, everything when I do that. So just wanted to give my own little kind of shout out to what you just talked about because it's it's 100% true. Yes. I, I love Renee Brown. Um, a lot of my clients love Renee Brown too. She has a great definition of authenticity too <laughs> that I love. Um, but b with what you just shared, two really practical things the audience can take and apply. Uh, one, especially in this, I'm thinking specifically of those who resonate with your story of perfectionism at one point being the pinnacle of everything. <laughs> um, so one thing to do that I do with clients all the time is whether it's perfectionism or something else to get to the layers underneath that. So so if you are perfect, what do you think will come of that? Like what is your follow the cookie crumbs? What will what will follow? So a common one might be, well, if I, you know, do this work perfectly, my boss will think I'm um I'm a really great worker and I will get, you know, I will get a promotion which will lead and follow that further, 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 I will then get a promotion, which means I will have more money, which means I will be safer, which means I can finally live the life and make the decisions that I want to make. And when you can follow it all the way to that deepest point, and of course that takes <laughs> like to actually have those authentic answers come through, that takes some digging and some uh, honesty that might not be exactly the quickest, <laughs> like I just said it. Um, but where we landed there was, okay, I can then finally have the freedom or feel safe enough to make the decisions that I'm wanting to make. We can ask, how can you get to that point, whatever, wherever you end when you go through that in a different way? And off the bat, I like to give to clients so that we don't freak out that you don't even have to choose. You can still choose perfectionism. You can still choose that route if you want to, but just for the sake of brainstorming, what are some other ideas for getting to that that safety to make decisions or whatever, wherever you land. Um, and so that, that can be helpful too. And then the second kind of part of that is 
for a really practical application, put yourself in micro experiments. I'm all for experimentation. And again, allowing yourself to choose perfectionism or choose whatever actually feels safe or that you've been doing your whole life. You can still have that on the table, especially as you're like authentically learning what what you really want to do, um, but also allowing yourself to try something else that maybe you've never done before. So, okay, what if today I'm a little more self-compassionate for myself with what I thought I was going to do as a movement exercise and just do it in a real, like for the five minutes, what if I just added a little bit more just to see what happens? I can always go back to, you know, my old ways and see what comes of it. And as you shared, oftentimes we get these personal anecdotes that's like, actually that was really nice and actually that led to the goal that I was trying to achieve in the first place and if that and slowly over time if it happens in this little pocket of my life I wonder what happens if I apply it to this other pocket but allowing yourself to be in that experiment phase so that you feel safe enough to you know go back to what has historically felt safe just because it's been what you've always done while also giving yourself the space to try something new and potentially that new thing feels even better and leads to even greater outcomes too. I like that. Um, especially for new parents, cause it's all new. So it's like, why not, mm -hmm. why not just like, even if it's just a thought experiment, like let's just try yeah. it on for size, see how it fits, chuck it out the window if it doesn't. So yes, yeah, I really like that a lot. Well, thank you so much. I've loved our conversation and thanks for taking the time to talk to me. Um, and if anybody is interested in following you or getting in contact with you after the episode, how can they do so? Yes. So Instagram is the social network I'm hanging out on most these days. Uh, yes. And by Marin, all one word, Y-E-S-A-N-D-B-Y-M-A-R-I-N. And then my website also has same same handle, yesandbymarin.com. Uh, and that has more information about my group and one-on-one -on -one coaching practices. Everyone, if, if you're interested in working with me, starts with an application. So if you have you know, any interest in this work or having a conversation or just seeing how I might support and already start replying with some coaching guiding, guiding questions, submit an application and I will respond personally. There's no obligation to go beyond that, but it's a great start to get your wheels spinning about even the application alone. What are you, what are you challenged with right now? What are you really wanting? Already having that clarity and just having a space where you feel heard is feedback I get from that application alone. So head to yesandwaymarin.com, um, browse and if you're interested, submit one of those applications and I'll get in touch with you personally. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much again. And I will link to everything that you just mentioned in the show notes of this episode. Wonderful. Thank you so much. It was really great being on the show today. Thank you so much for listening to the show today. If you liked the episode and would like to hear more, please follow Finding Your Village wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to sign up for the postpartum class at pregnancytopreschool.net. Thank you so much and stay safe, healthy, and connected.